Saturday, February the 13th, and this is your morning briefing from The Economist. Coming up, Draghi forms Italy's new government and the Trump team rests its case. First, the week in brief. Mario Draghi, a former president of the European Central Bank, is being sworn in as Italy's prime minister. He introduced a cabinet of startling breadth, taking in politicians from the radical left to the nativist right. They are joined by independents, including a former boss of Vodafone, who gets a new ministry for technological innovation. Italy is beset by crises, and its governments are notoriously prone to collapse, as Giuseppe Conte's did in January after just 15 months. Super Mario must leap into action swiftly if his is to succeed. Russian officials said their country would not hesitate to sever ties with the European Union if it imposed sanctions on them. As Sergei Lavrov, Russia's foreign minister, put it, if you want peace, then prepare for war. Earlier this week, the bloc urged the government to release Alexei Navalny, the opposition leader, who was sentenced to three and a half years in jail last week. Donald Trump's defense team rested its case after just three hours on the fourth day of the former president's impeachment trial. His lawyers called the charge against him a preposterous and monstrous lie. They argued that what Mr. Trump said before the Capitol riot on January 6th was protected free speech, that phrases such as fight like hell were political rhetoric rather than literal incitement. Republican senators can be expected to block his conviction. Reuters reported that Joe Biden, America's president, launched a formal inquiry into the future of the Guantanamo Bay prison camp in Cuba. Mr. Biden wants to close the facility, but then so did Barack Obama. Most of the 40 prisoners still held there have been detained for about two decades without a proper trial or formal charges. The British economy shrank by 9.9% in 2020, the deepest annual drop in the country's GDP since the Great Frost of 1709. But the figure was slightly better than expected as the economy was boosted in December by the easing of restrictions towards the end of Britain's second national lockdown. Restrictions have since been reintroduced. Annual consumer price inflation in India fell to 4.1% in January, down from 4.6% the previous month. Separately, the country's index of industrial production, a measure of factory output, grew by 1% month-on-month in December. Nevertheless, industrial production is still 13.5% lower than when India's first national lockdown was imposed in March. And nearly 2.3 million children under the age of five are expected to suffer from acute malnutrition in Yemen this year, according to the United Nations. Of these, 400,000 cases will be severe, with the children at risk of dying if they do not receive treatment. That number is a 22% increase on last year. The conflict-ridden country has been blighted by famine since 2016. And now, here's today's agenda. Tortured Memories, The Mauritanian. A new film released this week explores some uncomfortable ground for Americans. The Mauritanian, adapted from Mohamedou Ould Slahi's memoir, recounts his experience of torture and confinement in America's Guantanamo Bay prison camp. 
The film begins in November 2001, when the police show up at a wedding Mr. Slahi is attending in his home country of Mauritania. As part of the war on terror waged in the wake of the September 11th attacks, American agents are questioning those suspected of having connections to al-Qaeda. Mr. Slahi had joined the Mujahideen in Afghanistan in 1991 to fight the communist government there, and undertook training at an al-Qaeda camp. Though he left Afghanistan in 1992, intelligence services maintained an interest in him. After the wedding, Mr. Slahi was questioned for eight days, sent to a prison in Jordan, and then on to Guantanamo. At no point in his 14 years of detention was he formally charged with a crime. He is now back in Mauritania. An Innovator's Manifesto – How to Avoid a Climate Disaster Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk invoke the threat posed by climate change on this planet as a justification for building spaceships to colonize others. Not Bill Gates. This tech billionaire instead wants to save the Earth from the coming ravages. How to Avoid a Climate Disaster, published this month, is his wonkish but well-argued manifesto for doing so. Once sceptical of Greens, who are sometimes more concerned about pandas than about the world's poorest, the former tech tycoon issues a full-throated endorsement of the need to decarbonize the world economy. He shows how existing and nascent technologies can, if prodded by thoughtful government action and scaled up by private capital, transform the world's electricity grid to net-zero carbon emissions by 2050. That, in his view, is the most important piece of the climate puzzle, as green power can also clean up industry, transport and cities. Let the clean energy revolution roll. Girl Power – The Daughters of Kobani While Syria was in the throes of a civil war and a takeover by the Islamic State, another struggle was taking place in the northeast. Faced with unimaginable violence, a group of women in the town of Kobani took matters into their own hands to fight against terrorism and for equality. The Daughters of Kobani, published in America next week, tells their stories. For years, Gail Tsemach Lemon interviewed the Kurdish women demanding equal rights as they fought and led battles alongside militiamen and American special operations forces. The all-female unit was initially viewed with a scepticism that began to dissipate after it played a role in ISIS's first defeat. Their stories are also coming to the small screen. A new production company co-founded by Hillary Clinton, a former presidential candidate, has acquired the adaptation rights to Ms. Lemon's new book. Defeating ISIS and standing up for women's rights is a compelling combination. Manpower batteries that run on body heat. Humans need energy for everything they do. Mass consumption is the root of many environmental problems. But a human being is also a source of power. At rest, the body produces about 100 watts, enough to power a laptop or two. A new paper in Science Advances, a journal, describes a wearable device that can harness that potential. The gadget uses tiny thermoelectric generators to convert body heat into electricity. These generators are embedded in a flexible plastic sheet that can be wrapped around fingers or wrists, much like jewellery. In tests, the prototype produced enough energy to sustain other wearables like smartwatches, especially during exercise. With tweaks, it could reach the market within 5 to 10 years and liberate the next generation of wearables from batteries altogether. 
Distinctly cyberpunk in their aesthetic, these high-tech accessories will no doubt have techies everywhere swooning. Golden Boots – Hollywood Meets Welsh Football This week, two American investors completed their takeover of a British football club. No big deal, right? After all, seven of the 20 clubs in the English Premier League are American-owned. But in this case, the club is Wrexham, a Welsh team, and the new owners are actors Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney. What do two Hollywood actors want with a fifth-tier club in North Wales? No one really knows. But Mr Reynolds and Mr McElhenney have made encouraging noises about investing in Wrexham's women's team and funding new players. The deal was approved by 98% of the previous owners, the Wrexham Supporters Trust. Still, fans should keep in mind a cautionary tale from South Wales. Swansea City, another club, was bought by two Americans in 2016. Relations between the new owners and the fans quickly soured. In 2018, the club was relegated from the Premier League, the bickering continues to this day. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Christabel Pankhurst, who died on this day in 1958. Remember the dignity of your womanhood. Do not appeal, do not beg, do not grovel. That's it from The Economist Morning Briefing, available every weekday and on Saturdays. You can hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, by searching for The Economist on your podcast app or asking your smart speaker to play the latest Economist radio podcast. And as a subscriber, you have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app on your mobile device to start listening.